the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. That's right. Nowhere I'd rather be. It is our two hour dose of the Andrea K show this Monday edition. Things are getting ugly down in Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. What's that song by Ray Charles? Got Georgia on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I got Georgia on my mind. So do a lot of people. And let me tell you, it is getting crazy. So stay tuned. We're going to tell you guys everything you need to know about how crazy it's getting down in G.A., the peach state where I got lots of family down there and you guys are my family so i'm glad to have y'all here with me tonight 888-344-1170-344-1170 um we've got <clears throat> like a creepy neighbor to share with y'all now and then coming up later on in the show um in addition to things getting ugly in georgia things are getting kind of ugly here in san diego with real estate and we've got a, a shocking story out of San Diego that might not be so shocking if you realize that the Democrats have been they're, they're on board with that World Economic Forum plan that you'll own nothing and be happy about it. So the Democrats and their plan to squat in your property later on 888-344-1170. Glad to have you guys here with me tonight. We're streaming hour two on the Answer San Diego Facebook page. Keep the comments rolling there. We'll try to give them a little peeky poo throughout the show. And uh, maybe read some comments, but uh, 888-344-1170. And the man who's with me both hours, every night, even though sometimes he might be wanting to run out the dough, it's DJ Potato Skins. Yesterday, I met in this very room with DJ Potato Skins. You don't make me want to run out of the room. It's that negative news that makes me want to run out of the room, but can't mm-hmm. bury your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Well, usually the sound of cackle, Camilla's voice makes people want to run That'll out That'll do it, too. <laughs> I guess she held a press conference today announcing the arrival of baby formula into the U.S., and, and I guess we're supposed to be just cheering them. Um, it's only going to be enough to maybe feed 9,000 babies for two or three days. I mean, it's minuscule. Why weren't they doing this a long time ago? Look, we know they don't care about kids in this country. Clearly, right? They're doing everything they can. I mean, they, they so hate kids in this country that, that they tried to not just codify Roe v. Wade when they thought that it was a chance it was going to be overturned. They actually tried to put it into law and try to pass it into law that, that, a full-term pregnancy child could be killed in the womb, and if for for any reason, including they specifically said because of uh, because of gender, 
in this country, right? We know that they can't love, love kids with what they're trying to do to kids in the schools, deny them their opportunity to develop according to, you know, science and according to their own individuality, right? Now they got to trans these kids. They got to recruit them into transgenderism. They've got to, they've got to push sexuality on children and have conversations, inappropriate conversations and talk sex with kids. Um, and in fact, we've got a clip to play for you guys. Skins found this clip today. And it's really, uh, it's really crazy. Uh, Skins, please play clip four. So today was full of little happy gender euphoria moments. I got called Mr. Micah a lot today. Well, completely femme. And that was really heartwarming that the kids just got it. But my favorite reaction, and it sums me up so well, I feel like, is uh, I was in a new classroom and I took off my mask to blow my nose and I just hear a kid loudly whisper, oh, she's a boy. And I was like, yeah, you got it, kid. You totally got it. Um, I'm not even quite sure what's going on with this person because I hear this clip. I don't know. Was Is this a man trying to live his life as a woman? Is this a woman who's decided, you know, um, she wants to be a man? I have no idea what's going on with this individual. Do you understand what happened here with the mask? Take the mask off. Oh, she's a boy, meaning it's a man who's going around pretending he's a, he's a woman, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, why you? Why is this even an? And, the, and these are these are preschoolers, right? These are three year olds. These are preschoolers. Where do, do you have any idea? Do we have any idea where where these preschoolers took place? This is obviously it's not part of a public school system, right? Um, this this uh, clip was provided by Libs of TikTok, who's done a phenomenal job of exposing the left. Um, this is creepy to me on so many different levels. Um, this is clearly indoctrination. This is just using little children to validate your own psychosis, your own issues. And let me tell you, even if you think that that as an adult, you've got the right to live your life as you want, you do. But what there's something really wrong with you that the only way that you can feel good about yourself is to get some three-year-olds on board with your agenda. Look, you you know, a three-year-old is going to get pretty much on board with anything as long as you feed them and, you know, read a book to them or whatever. You know, this is just so, it, it is absolutely grooming. It's the right way to put it, is grooming. This is the sexualizing of children. It's indoctrinating children. It has no place in any school. Three-year-olds need to be, need to be you know, sat down with, you know, some puppets or, I don't I, I I don't have children. What do we do with three-year-olds? What what do three-year-olds do? I mean, they're toddlers, right? I mean, you sit them down with some Play-Doh. What do you do when talking about gender, right, and getting into this kind of sexuality? But it's even worse. We know that this is going on in the schools. But did you guys know that it might be happening with your local insurance agent, right? Like a creepy neighbor. State Farm is That's there. That's something you wouldn't even think. It's like, why? Yeah, like, what's the point? Is this, is it, let me tell you what's going on with State Farm. There's a whistleblower that's come forward um, accusing State Farm of recruiting agents to push books about gender fluidity on young children. And a new ad campaign by Consumers Research slams the insurance giant as a, quote, creepy neighbor to spotlight uh, claims by an internal whistleblower. Quote, uh, this is from Fox News. Consumers Research is launching a campaign against State Farm Insurance because recently a whistleblower brought to our attention evidence, email chain evidence, 
showing that they have been intentionally trying to target kindergartners for discussions about transgender issues, sexual identity issues without notifying their parents or without their consent and specifically targeting them in public schools. This, according to Consumers Research Executive Director Will Hild. According to the whistleblower, State Farm is partnering with something called the Gender Cool Project to help diversify classroom, community center, and library bookshelves with a collection of books to help bring clarity and understanding to the national conversation about being transgender, inclusive, and non-binary. No, not one of those words should be included in any discussion with any child outside of the parents. Period. Period. State Farm, your whole job is supposed to is supposed to make sure people are covered if the house burns down or if they get into a car accident. What are you trying to do getting inside little children's lives and, 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 and inside their sexuality? If it doesn't have to do with cars or house insurance, please, it, it, it does not matter to me. The project's goal is to increase representation of LBGT plus books and support our communities and having challenging, important and empowering conversations with ch- children age five plus. Quote, agents are key to the success of this program. Nationwide, approximately 550 State Farm agents and employees will have the opportunity to donate this three-book bundle to their local teacher, community center, or library of their choice. I had no idea that State Farm was was uh, on the side of pedophilia. Because let me tell you, conversations with children about sex is inappropriate, and it's, pedof- and, and it's pedophilia in my opinion. Why are you getting, and we know, we already know from, from having seen the majority of these books that are in libraries and in schools, we've already seen them presented at school boards. We had a lady last week who was told she needed to stop reading from the school book that her child was told to memorize because it was profane. We've seen what's in these books. The article goes on to say that, um, so then declared he wanted to find six Florida State Farm agents to participate in the project, asking them to highlight the insurance company's commitment to diversity on social media. Quote, uh, this is a fantastic way to give back and an easy project that will help us support the LBGT community and make the world around us safer. Um, when Consumers Research received a copy of the email from a concerned whistleblower, which the organization later shared um, he wasn't sure if it was legitimate. So the first thing he says we did is we reached out to the Florida State Farm agents. And of course, see, this is in Florida. So what what I believe started all this, it doesn't particularly connect the dots, but it's like State Farm has now decided to Disney the situation, right? Did we not read, did I not read a poll last week that 90%, 90% of a poll, Demo- which includes Democrats, independents, and Republicans said they wanted companies to stay out of politics. And particularly, they want companies to stay out of children and stay away from children. Uh, this, uh, the whistleblower said that uh, they researched some of the materials, specifically the Gender Cool Project. If you go to their website, you'll find that State Farm is listed by name and by their logo as a sponsor and a partner of that project. Uh, the Gender Cool Project describes itself as having uh, helping replace misinformed opinions with positive experiences, meeting transgender and non-binary youth where they are thriving. Um, 
Hild says State Farm looks to be targeting five-year-olds, kindergartners, in fact, in the public schools for inappropriate discussions around sexual identity. We want to call them out for that activity and notify parents and customers of State Farm's activity so they can hopefully uh, cut it out. Uh, so in the 30-second ad titled Like a Creepy Neighbor that mocks the company's slogan, it begins with a narrator declaring that State Farm says it's a good neighbor before asking, but would a good neighbor target five-year-olds for conversation about sexual identity? No. no. And you wouldn't want your you wouldn't want your five year old. I, I use this example all the time, but it's so true. You, how many of you State Farm agents would want your five year old over on a play date having the dad sit down? Hey, hey psst, let's talk about what's in your pants and whether or not do you really think you're a boy or girl? I mean, that's literally what this is about. This is absolutely disgusting. Um, State Farm is asking employees to donate, and 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 uh, you know our. And think about what they're doing from from an employee standpoint. Is this not harassment to the employees to try to force them to participate in something that they may not agree with? If you become an agent at State Farm now, and it takes a lot of years to become a, 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 an agent, there's to get licensed and learn the industry. And oh, I have a friend get in that customers. industry. It's no joke. It's no joke, and it takes a tremendous amount of work and a lot of investment in time and money and and legal risks. And then and then they've attached their name to this to this well respected insurance operation. And now they're going to what? Look at the position that these State Farm agents are being put into by State Farm. And, of course, I'm sure some of it has to do with the fact that we now have these ESG scores, right? With these corporations, they're going to get rewarded if they follow this. But the State Farm agents need to be speaking up against this. I don't know who the whistleblower was. I'm assuming it was a State Farm agent. But everybody needs to be sharing this story. Glad they blew it. I'm absolutely glad they blew it. Um, the uh, company from behind the whistleblowers has said um, he wants other State Farm whistleblowers to step up. Um, because this is reportedly a nationwide directive. He says, we would love to hear from people who have been affected by this or maybe were asked to do this. If they were a State Farm agent, we are obviously keeping their identity private, but it would be great to know how far this extended, how many kids may have been affected. Everyone can expect the consumer's research is going to be taking this message across the nation and also to State Farm uh, wherever we deem it relevant. Their shareholder meeting would absolutely be a place where we think they should probably hear from Americans absolutely. and consumers. This has to stop the targeting of children. And it's absolutely you know, Andrea, despicable. I don't have them as an auto insurer, but if I did, I would switch companies. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bill Flanagan, you've been my state farm agent since I moved to San Diego since I was a kid. And I'm going to be calling you. Bill Flanagan, State Farm agent. We're going to take a break. We come back. It's getting ugly down in Georgia, and I need to take a break before I get ugly. <laughs> I got I, I, I've been with Bill a long time. Bill, we might have to have a conversation. We will have a conversation, and I'm going to continue the conversation with y'all on the other side of the break. 888-344-1170. Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Hey, I think you guys would really appreciate this lady. She is spot on about what's going on. And it would be great to have you interview her. It's MelK.com. She's fantastic. Just like Andrea. Okay, Colin. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to do a little research. I hadn't heard of Mel K. Um, but if she's as fabulous as I am, then hey, she might be my gal. So, and if you want to give us a call, give us topic ideas or 
Anything that's on your mind, uh, give us a buzz. We've got a 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. That's 844-814-5227. Of course, we're still going to be live here for another 35 minutes if you want to call in. Y'all looking at that Georgia race down there? Uh, it's getting really ugly, um, and particularly, and not just in terms of Stacey Abrams, but I'm, I'm here all night. Um, but also because getting ugly between Trump and Pence. You guys watching that race, 888-344-1170. Okay, so here's what's going on down there. A lot, a lot is happening in Georgia. So we've got, um, particularly where a lot is happening really is in the governor's race. So we had that, that uh, crap weasel, Kemp who cooked up a deal with Stacey Abrams on the Republican side, cooked up a deal with Stacey Abrams to violate um, the uh, initial plans for absentee ballots to basically get rid of all the good checks and balances that that supposedly are in place for absentee ballots. And he was a part of allowing the election to be stolen in Georgia, which is one of the reasons why so many people in Georgia in January when it came to the Senate runoff didn't bother to vote because the Republican Party was warned, if you don't go and clean that up, you know, uh, shut up and show up was not an effective get out the vote strategy in Georgia for the Senate runoff. Because the Georgian voters down there were disgusted. They were disgusted by Kemp and his absentee ballot crap that went on down there with Stacey Abrams. They were disgusted with the fact that in the middle of a live show skins, as I think when a reported water main caused you know them to just shut down the voting. And then we all know about all the different hearings that took place with all the, the them wheeling out suitcases, you know, with with ballots and um, all the mail-in ballots that just were stacks that had obviously never been folded. I mean, there was just so much crap that went on in the election down there that the Republican voters were like, that happened in the first week of November, and you're going to expect us to go and vote in a runoff in the same system that cost us the president? in November. Why would we do that? And maybe they should have shown up in droves. My family did vote. But the point was, is that there wasn't any trust in the system. And that's who the governor was, Kemp. Well, the one of the people who also, in addition to the runoff being, uh, you know, using the same mechanisms that allowed for the president election to be stolen, um, one of the people running for the Republican Senate race was Purdue. And Purdue Loeffler and Purdue were the two that were running for Georgia, uh, running for Senate. And Purdue was a crappy candidate, an incredibly crappy candidate. Well, those are the two Republicans that were running in the primary for Georgia race and governor today. And um, Purdue, he decided to run for it. Trump, I'm not sure if Trump really handpicked him to run against Kemp or if he decided to throw his hat in the ring and Trump backed him. But, you know, Purdue didn't run, you know, any better of a governor's race against Kemp than he did when he was running for the Senate to the degree to where he didn't spend any money to the point to where it almost looks as though he was a spoiler and allowed Trump to, to pick him just to throw it to Kemp. I mean, it's that bad for me. So I don't see that as a loss for Trump and he's still 80 something to two in the endorsement game and I think that I think that you know it was a mistake to back Purdue but what was he going to do back Kemp I mean you know really what are you going to do so Pence is down there though Mike Pence is down there supporting Kemp and it is clear from Pence today that he's made a decision that he's going to run in 2024 against Trump good luck are you kidding me? So then Trump, in, in his full Trump glory, comes out with a statement today saying something along the lines of, look, Pence, 
you were struggling. You weren't going to be able to win re-election as governor in Indiana until I plucked you from obscurity and brought you into the, into the White House as the VP. And man, you were, you were a nobody then, and you're back to being a nobody now without me. So just get on with yourself and skedaddle, basically. That's the Trump we know and love. And that was the Trump we know and love, okay? So I am just entertained, Pence, by your ego and thinking that you've actually got a shot at getting the nomination in 2024. Okay, so speaking of Stacey Abrams on the Democrat side. So Stacey Abrams, um, there's different things going on with her. So she um, was caught on a mic telling donors that she don't know why anybody thinks Georgia is such a great place to live. It's the worst place to, she literally says to donors, it's the worst place to live in the country. Worst place to live in the country. Are you kidding me, lady? Three years ago, nowhere else but the United States of America. In fact, nowhere else in the United States of America could you, with virtually no skills, no abilities, drowning in debt reportedly years ago, now be a homeowner of not one, but two homes. Nowhere else in the world and probably nowhere else in the United States of America could she have achieved that. She couldn't hear where we're about a million dollars average, average cost of a home. Here's a million dollars. Right. But a lot of a lot. There was a lot of um, good Republican policies in place down there. And then on top of it, you've got business friendly uh, atmosphere that brought Yollywood there. Got, you've got Tyler Perry with his studios there. Just all kinds of business friendly uh, reasons that make businesses friendly and she just can't seem to connect the dots as to why that actually makes Georgia a great place to live not just for all the Hollywood elites that go down there and make their movies and their TV shows and their streaming but for the average American down, living down there in particular I would venture a guess that Georgia and particularly the Atlanta and surrounding areas probably has the highest standard of living for minorities and African-Americans than anywhere else in the country. And for her to denigrate that is just such an insult to her, her fellow Georgians and those living a great life in the state of Georgia. I don't know how anybody could take her seriously there ever again. Right. And, you know, um, but of course, but what, what's she going to do, though? I mean, it, but then if you think about it from this standpoint, what's she going to do? You, you say, yeah, we got things good here. You know, the Democrats, they know that they cannot sell their agenda with truth and with facts. They can't be honest about what their policies are and what their policies will do. They never win. Right. What are they going to say? Elect me for for governor for the state of Georgia and I'll turn Georgia into what Joe Biden has done to the rest of the country. That's hardly going to sell. Her list of reasons why Georgia was such a, you know, toilet basically was because they've got I, I think she said something like they're 48 and uh, mental health challenges. And, you know, I'm thinking, it, how do you even define that? What kind of mental health challenges? Now, I mean, I, let me tell you, I'm from the South. In August, when it's 90 degrees and 90-something percent humidity, it, you know, it's quite the mental health challenge down there. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> It'll make you crazy. Um, do they have a lot of shootings down there? Well, we got a lot of shootings. At, you know, Atlanta's a Democrat-run city. So if they're overrun with crime there, who's to blame for that? Um uh, do something about it, Democrats. So a lot of what she listed as the the things that are bad about Georgia, a lot of it had to do with individual issues that have nothing to do with a governor. Governor cannot do anything to solve a mental health issue that an individual has. And I'm not really sure what she meant by that. Um, another thing that's interesting out of Georgia was 
And Stacey Abrams. Okay, so after November, the Republican Georgia legislature had came up came up with like other Republican-run states with election integrity bills. Oh, this was just so racist! I can't. How t- dare they? Oh my gosh, voter suppression, voter suppression. They're trying to deny black people the vote. It's Jim Crow all over again. That's why they got they got rid of the All Star Game there, and why Joe Biden went down there. This Jim Crow laws. They actually have. Higher voter turnout right now, I think, than ever in the history of Georgia elections, right? Of course, (laughs) Stacey Abrams comes out today and she goes, well, that doesn't mean that there's not voter suppression going on. (laughs) But they can't be honest. The Democrats cannot be honest about their agenda or anything. They can't at all about anything. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Speaking of Democrat policies... What do y'all hear about the Democrat socialist woman running for Congress and her idea to solve the homeless problem? And let me give you a hint. It might start with your house. This is the Andrea K. Show on AIM 1170. The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K. bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. You'll own nothing and be happy about it, right? That's what they, that's what their plan is for us. Now, how is how could the World Economic Forum and I've been posing this question to y'all for a while. Um, the World Economic Forum as part of the globalist regime, the globalist plan, they have they have said that we will own nothing and be happy about it and be happier. And I've been asking you guys for a while, how do you think they're going to get us there? You know, it's kind of like the thing about um, the is the vaccine passport or the chip for the for the medical chip for the the vax passport or whatever you want to call it. Um, No, that's not the the mark of the beast. That's not the end times. But did you think we were going to wake up one day and everybody was all of a sudden going to go, yeah, mark me with the mark of the beast? No, there's there's got to be a transition. Right. So how is it that the Democrats and these globalists and the one world new world order and the one world government, how are they going to get particularly societies like ours, Western civilization that like owning property? The American dream has always included, if not been owning your own owning home. your own home, right? I mean, isn't that part of how we got founded? Isn't that what that dopey movie was about with Tom Cruise and Nicole? Kidd? I slept through most of it, where the Irish all came here. And, oh, 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 oh! And they were uh, far and away, far and away, and they came here for homesteading, right? That By the way, you, great movie. Oh, really, I love Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise, but man, I thought that movie was a dog. Didn't like uh, it. Huh? Oh, I was bored to tears. It was worse than The Star Is Born. But anyway, didn't it involve? <laughs> didn't it involve Irish people coming here, and then they all were. I remember yes. them running to try to get their piece of land. I mean, there's and and as Southerners, you know, my mother was obsessed with owning her own home. I mean, just the idea of home ownership. It's 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 about security for you, right? And it doesn't it's even about, matter the price of the home. No, it's a, it's about having something of your own, and it and it's 
speaks to the human condition and and actually even all animals were at the top of the food chain but you think about a bird and its nest and how the little birds just spend so much time the mama birds do in crafting this perfect little nest or or even water you know badgers or whatever they do when they build their little dams or, you know, all animals are nesters to a certain degree. And as human beings, it's something that's just kind of innate to, to us as human beings and the human experience. It's why we decorate for Christmas. It's why we have certain styles of decor. Our home is our sanctuary, right? It's where we, 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 we unwind after work. It's where we raise our children. It's where we have our most intimate and most personal and ha- some of our happiest moments. It's where we celebrate life. A lot of times when you think about the memories, Andrea, that you've gone through, a lot of them are attached to your home. Right, because it, and it's not because of the drywall. It's not because of the brick and mortar or, or whatever materials you've used in your home. It's because of the memories. It's because of the celebrations. You know, when it comes to decor, maybe that does matter to you because maybe, you know, you've got a kid that just loves zebras and so the little, you know, kid wants zebra. You know, it's just, it's part of the human experience, right? So, um, and, and everything about the Marxist and the communist is is the plan is to to strip us of of all of that, to take our humanity away from us, to take away the fabric of our nation and our society and remove individuality. Right. <clears throat> you can't ha- and, and to try to turn our lives into a commune. And there and <clears throat> but there's got to be a process to that. They've got to somehow condition us to that. And there and there's a lot of steps in the way one of the ways they're doing that is by by um, right now you can see one of the reasons why they're happy the gas prices are, are what they are and they don't intend to do anything to lower them is because it's a way to move the american people into urban areas get you out of your cars get you riding bikes get you living in smaller spaces and when you live in smaller spaces one of the things that they can change the outcome uh, and change our culture is that we're not having 2.2 kids or three kids or four kids or six kids anymore uh, in a lot of cases, people won't have any because they're not going to be living in a space big enough to have it, right? Yeah, I even talked about that. <clears throat> right. I mean, what what were com- communist societies like? What was the, what was the USSR like? It was these big uh, developments, right? Big uh, um, apartment buildings that were sterile, generic, a gray. No interior design. The the life is, yeah, um, everybody's got a job. Everybody's provided a roof over their head that they don't own. And everybody's got to stand in line for their slice of government cheese. Meanwhile, the elites are all living in palaces, right? The haves, literally the haves and the have-nots. So how are they going to get us there? Well, there's lots of different ways they can get us there. They can, they can, they can get us there. Um, by what I just talked about, gas and, you know, m- you know, prices in different ways that they can try to move us to a centralized area. Um, but then when it comes to taking our property away, well, they, they started that many years ago with taxation. You literally don't own a home when they can take it from you by not paying your taxes. There was a story a few weeks ago of a woman whose home was literally seized from her, sold at auction. The $200,000 in profits were, were kept from her. It's not as though they sold it at auction, took the property taxes she owed and gave her the rest. They kept 100% of the profit. And the tax bill was like $700. Where was this? I'm going to have to research. In fact, you could probably Google it right yeah, now. Yeah, I will. Um, it was, I don't remember where it was in the country. So the fact that we have to pay property taxes, right, 
on our home or lose the home means you don't really ever own your home, right? You have to you have to get permission from the government to stay there based upon an arbitrary dollar figure that they put on it. So that's one way in which the government has started inching at taking our property away from us and conditioning us. The fact that they tax us at all is taking our property away from us. Our money, our income is our own personal property. And we've become conditioned to have that take away, taken away from us. With COVID, what was the, that was the next step in conditioning them from taking our property from us because they were able to t- shut down entire industries and businesses. They were able to tell a business, I don't care that you built this building. I don't care that you hired people, that you've got all this stock of food that, or pro- products or services or whatever it is that you're hustling. We're going to shut you down. It is our control. And that basically was them owning the means of production when they can shut you down like that. That was what did you find the, the location? I did a $650,000 home taken away from this 57-year-old woman in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. I think her tax bill was and she was and she was struggling to come up with it. Yeah. Um but it's, you know, put her on a payment plan. Right? You can get put on a payment payment plan from SDG&E. The illegals coming into this country getting a heck of a lot more than what her property tax bill was. Americans are right now and you've got baby formula and this, you know, you think about, you think about how much better we're treating illegals than, than that woman was treated. How much, and she got a $600,000 home. That woman's paid some property taxes now and they kept the profits from her. So getting back to the conditioning. So COVID did a lot to condition us that about taking our property away from us, taking uh, landlords. We're told you can't evict anybody, Right. If the government can seize control of your business and seize control of your of your uh, property that you own, that you're renting out, then you don't own any property. And we've been conditioned to accept that. And you know what? That started under COVID, started under COVID, right? That you couldn't get rid, you couldn't kick renters out because they couldn't work. And if they can't work, they can't pay the rent. And even if the government's giving them a subsidy, printing money and sending checks out to people, it may not be enough to pay the rent. Oh, but that was COVID. Well, now the COVID's over and everybody's now supposed to be back paying the rent. They had to come up with another way in which they could keep control over people's property. In San Diego, uh, renters are now being protected with a new no-fault eviction plan. Uh, San Diego renters can now, quote, breathe a sigh of relief, knowing they are a little bit more secure as the city's new. And this is from uh, CBS 8. As the city's new eviction moratorium is now in place for renters who are up to date on their rent payments. San Diego cannot afford to have one more person enter into homelessness. And this is a way to prevent that, says San Diego County uh, Council President Sean L. Riviera Rivera, who championed this measure. So uh, despite having paid their rent on time, despite having abided by the terms of their lease, they're still being evicted because the rental market in San Diego is such that landlords know that if they do a bit of an upgrade and some minor renovations, they can jack up rent substantially. Well, you know what? That's the right as as a landlord. If I've got a property that I paid out my hiney to buy, I dump 20% down in order to invest in this property or own this property, and I'm paying jacked up uh, jacked up um, property taxes. Why should I not have the right to take advantage? If I've got the right as a homeowner to sell when it, when the market's hot and take the profits, why would I not be allowed to do that as a homeowner? If I've got tenants in there, why would I yeah, not? You're running a business. Yeah, it's a business. 
by and large, oftentimes these situations are, these are investment properties. This is the purpose of them doing that. It's a way to generate income. And that's what you sign on as a renter because you know what? That's what it means when you don't own property, you don't get to decide how long you're going to live there. The property owner does. So what happened has now, what has now happened is the San Diego City Council has seized control over somebody's property. You'll own nothing and be happy about it. This is just another step towards that. If they can tell you as a landlord that you can't, that your property is not yours to do as, as you wish, regardless of what your lease is, I'm on a, if you're, if I'm on a month to month, that means I'm on a month to month. That means that the landlord should have the right to ask me to skedaddle in 30 days and I got to get out in 30 days. And it's, and it's not anybody else's responsibility whether or not I'm able to continue to live in San Diego. And now think about that. The landlord can't collect the rent from the people that are living in the place that he has established. And now suddenly his livelihood and maybe he can't make the bills. Well, yeah, because how many, and I said this at the time when they were shutting down businesses across, across the place. I said, how many, are these business owners might have a second home or something that they're renting out and now they've got two mortgages they got to pay. They can't run their business and the person living with them isn't paying the rent. When you buy property, particularly in, in California, you better be able to take advantage when the market is hot. That's why you do it. And if you're looking at retirement, now is the best time to be doing this and to be taking advantage of the advantages for why you bought in the first place. This is communism. That's what this is. This is communism. But it gets worse because we've got a Washington Democrat congressional candidate who basically says um, that homeless people should be able to break into empty homes and squat there. That's the next phase of this. That if a home is unoccupied, homeless people have a right to be there. This is the movement of the Democrat Party today. That you don't own anything. You don't own anything. They have the right to take it from you. And we actually saw the foundation laid here in the state of California for homeless people to be able to move into property that's empty. A court, actually, uh, there was a group of homeless people that squatted in a home when it was an investment company that bought the property. So it was sitting sitting empty as they were laying out the plans to, to renovate it and sell it. And these homeless people moved in and they couldn't get them out. And it was the homeless people that were put in there were part of a plan by this advocacy group to try to force the state to start giving prop empty property over to homeless. And I talked about this on the show. So they sued the advocacy group for these homeless people, sued the investment company, and a, and a, and a court actually heard the case, setting the stage that there was a time and place in which homeless people had a right to go into a home that was empty. You'll own nothing and be happy about it. The stage is being set and we need to be pushing back against it. More on this on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AIM 1170, The Answer. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Um, you know, we rarely... We, we, we try to not play clips from this one particular show, but sometimes we just have to because the insanity of what is going on with them is so representative of the insanity from the left. And so sometimes it just kind of encapsulates um, what's going on with the Democrats. And so um, last week, uh, an archbishop 
made a decision about Nancy Pelosi and whether or not she should receive communion. And I don't know what took him 40 years, um, but he made a decision. And here is the response from a certain former alleged actress. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. (laughs) That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) I don't think anybody's ever accused Whoopi Goldberg of of, um, having a a high IQ, right? Um, First of all, it is their job. Uh, it is his job, right? I mean, that I'm not an expert on the Catholic Church and their organ, organizational structure and who's got the power, but I do believe that I know a little bit coming from the state that's divided by Catholic parish and having so many friends and family that are Catholics. Um, it, the hierarchy in the Catholic Church is just that they, yeah, they get to decide who among the flock gets to accept communion in the Catholic Church. And quite frankly, what I don't understand is what took them 40 years. I mean, she has been, Nancy Pelosi is what? 105 years old and she's been speaker of the house for about a hundred of those years so she's been around with her pro-abortion stance uh since pre-roe v wade right i mean i don't really know what took the catholic church so long and i don't know why there's still joe biden is is available to take communion um but quite frankly i don't think the catholic church has gone far enough in expressing their outrage at the demonic uh, slaughter of children that the Democrats have in mind because it's even far worse than Roe v. Wade. Um, our friend of the show, Mel, is on the line and he wants to weigh in on this topic and we know he's a godly man. Hey, Mel, your thoughts? Uh, thank you. Um, I think the Archbishop sanctioning Nancy Pelosi is a step in the right direction because we have to consider that abortion is killing and the Bible tells us the Lord God Almighty says, God shall not kill. So between God and ultra-liberals, where does anyone stand, do you see, in terms of showing oneself as a person with integrity? Mm-hmm. So uh, as we look at the Catholic Church, they ha- yeah, you, I agree with you, they have been, it's taken them too long to act right. on this kind of wicked scheme to what kill babies. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting, Mel, uh, is that Whoopi Goldberg is saying in blurring the lines between church and state. This isn't blurring the lines between church and state. When Nancy Pelosi walks into that Catholic church for mass, she's a parishioner. She's not there as as a congresswoman. Right. So there. So this isn't about blurring church and state. So shame on Whoopi Goldberg. But that's that's was a way for Whoopi and others to try to manipulate the American people. This is not a blurring of church and state. And, yeah. and, and in fact, the United States of America is very clear that, that not only does the Bible say thou shalt not kill, but the United States of America is very clear that you're not allowed to murder another human being. And this is not her body, her choice. It's another human being. We've got a, yeah. a Mel, we're almost out of time here. Thank you for calling in. I will respond to you some other time, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank do, you call, do call back, Mel. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah, see, this is they're they're wanting to blur the lines of reality by saying that this is this is blurring the lines of church and state, and it's not. And th- this and, and and abortion will continue, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Hopefully, what's going to happen is when it goes back to the states, if that happens, and Scotus, we're waiting on you. Hopefully, we'll have at least some reasonable restrictions 
and not the infanticide that the Democrats want. Final thoughts, Skins, before we go? Anything you want to add? Not, not enough time. Nope, not enough time. And that's why y'all need to come back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Love you all. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.